Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Cat Builder Talk Radio Show with your host, small business expert, Mark Parham. Real talk with real people talking about real issues facing small business and our community today. Join us every Monday evening starting at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. To be a guest or for more information, go to capbuildertalk.com. Post comments on facebook.com forward slash capbuildernetwork. Enjoy the show. Mark Parham. Welcome to another episode of Cat Builder Talk. Real talk with real people. Talking about real issues facing small business in our community today. Helping you to build the capacity to change your life. And the big thing is helping you to walk in your purpose. There's a lot going on right now. We're trying to bring you information on a daily basis things that can help you move forward through this crisis that we're dealing with. But we're here to help you. The Cat Builder Network is just that. It's a network of small business people, professionals. You're going to hear a couple of them today. Trying to help you understand how to navigate this world of small business. My plan is to do more shows that focus specifically on topics of interest to you. As I said, Send me the topics. If you're an expert on these topics, I may have you on the show. On the show today, I'm going to give you a few tips. You know, I'm getting a lot of calls about this SBA funding. No, I don't have all the answers, but I'm going to run down to you what I do know. Just for a few minutes, I plan on doing some shows with some more experienced people that know a lot more. But I just want to give you a little bit of insight if you feel like you want to apply for some of these loans. On the interview this evening, I have Lita Spelzer. She's the Director of Financial Planning at the Piedmont Group and Calvin Vishmail, founder of Emerging Economic Equity Empire. We're going to discuss how to position your business. Because as we say, and this too shall pass. So I don't want you to sleep. I want you to take this time right now that you have and get your business together. And we're going to talk today about learning how to position it. So I want you to stick with me so that you can learn and understand how to put yourself in the right position. As I always say, would you fund you? Would you buy from you? So we're going to talk about positioning today. So we're going to go to break. And I'm going to come back with my Cat Builder Minute. It won't be long, just a few things about these, these SBA loans. Things that I know right now, you know, it's changing every day. And then when I come back, we're going to have this talk on positioning. So you listen to Mark Parham, Cat Builder Talk Radio Show. I'll be back in a moment. comes to saving money, don't act like a baby. Goo goo gaga. Be the boss and make a budget. I'm the boss, baby. You're not the boss of me. I am the boss of you. Or not. M2. Or not. M2. Need a little help? Aren't you going to do any work? I'm very busy delegating. Create a personalized savings plan. We can share. You obviously didn't go to business school. And get other tools and tips at feedthepig.org. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. The average time a resume spends on an HR manager's desk is seven seconds, and most of them are tossed aside. Now imagine if one of those resumes belonged to Yasmin, who was... Living in a shelter, juggling three jobs. I had to be resilient. 
That's something that you can't teach. We rely so much on a resume, yet it could never tell the full story of someone who had to be independent and take initiative. And that's how I handle every project I get. Discover new ways to develop great talent at gradsoflife.org. Brought to you by Grads of Life and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the Cat Builder Talk radio show with your host, Mark Parham. Real talk with real people. Talking about real issues facing small business and our community today. Hey, this is Mark Parham, and I'm back. Cat Builder Talk Radio Show. We can't build a minute. I'm just going to talk about some of these things when we talk about SBA disaster relief. Key word is relief. So I'm going to read from you for you a couple of things I just saw on the site right from the SBA. The SBA's Economic Injury Disaster Loan offers up to $2 million in assistance and can provide vital economic support to small businesses to help overcome the temporary loss of revenue they're experiencing. These loans may be used to pay fixed debts, payroll, accounts payable, and other bills that can't be paid because of the disaster's impact. Keyword, disaster's impact. The interest rate is 3.75% for small businesses, and the interest rate for nonprofits is 2.75. SBA offers loans with long-term repayments in order to keep payments affordable up to a maximum of 30 years. Terms are determined on a case-by-case basis based upon each borrower's ability to repay. The SBA injury disaster loans are just one piece of the expanded focus of the federal government's coordinated response, and the SBA is strongly committed to providing the most effective and customer-focused response possible. Now, I read that that was the first notice that came out with the SBA. I've been hearing a lot of things lately that are changing you know, uh, some of these loans may be forgiven. Some of these loans for nonprofits may be grants. But the fact is, is that money is out there, and you got to get ready to apply for it. So just for a few minutes, I just want to go over just a couple things. First, small business owners in all the U.S. states and territories are currently eligible to apply for low-interest loans due to the coronavirus or COVID-19. You're encouraged to apply online. Now I hear a lot of people are going online and the site is crashing, so I think you're going to be switching that. I actually put in my email for my show tonight, uh, there's a link to an article that I put together that has where you can download all the forms. If you need that, just contact me. But I just want to run a few things down to you that I've seen when I go through the loan documents. One of the most important things is ask, what are you applying for? So, you know, most of you are applying for, during this time, if you have an economic distress, you're applying for economic injury. You've been hurt because of the current disaster, and it's injured your business. The next thing is that you're going to have to estimate what is the amount of your estimated loss. So a lot of you that may not have cash flow statements, bank statements, you're going to have to show how this has really impacted you. You know, I have people contacting me saying, hey, I want to buy new lawnmower or something like that. This money is not for buying new stuff. It's about relief for your business. Now, there are other loan programs out there that you can buy new stuff with, but the SBA is really for helping you recover from your loss. Now, what are the determining factors I saw Are you delinquent on any federal taxes or loans? Meaning, if you already have a current situation with the federal government, they're going to look at that as they try to determine if they're going to fund you. I even saw, are you presently subject to an indictment or criminal charges? You know, they're even asking for that. But the one big thing that I see people are sometimes having a tough problem with is showing their monthly sales figures. What was their cash flow prior to this? situation. I mean, what is it now? You're showing people that you have lost money because you don't have customers. 
this is particularly good for restaurants or people that already had reoccurring business and you can show you were doing like this before and now you're doing like that. You are going to have to turn in your personal financial statement as well as anybody that owns more than 20% of the business is going to have to turn in a financial statement. You're going to have to turn in a schedule of your liabilities. Who do you owe? They're going to want to see all of that in relation to the business. And if you're having someone write these forms out or do this for you, if you're paying someone more than $2,500, you need to do a fee disclosure form where you actually put the name of the company in and the services that they're providing for you. Now, it's interesting because, um, you know, some of the services that people can provide for you, um, they can loan packaging. They can help you do your financial statements or tax return for this application, legal services, you know, performance specifically when you're closing a loan and other. So if you, you know, if you're trying to hire somebody to help you do this, if some of you may need to do that because you don't know exactly how to fill the forms out, they want to know about that. So these are just a few things about how to apply for this funding. But the one thing I do suggest, and I'm, I'm telling everybody to do it, if it's out there to apply for, apply for it. I'd rather have you go through the steps and then maybe get money. You can always turn it away if you don't think it's the right deal for you. The terms aren't right. But if you don't apply for it, you will not get it. And all it takes to apply is your time, putting all the proper paperwork together. So when people are calling me and asking me, should I apply for it? I say absolutely. Because it's the only way you're going to get to take advantage of this. So get your stuff together. Figure out what your estimated loss is. Now, there are a lot of other loan programs going on right now that you may be able to take advantage of to grow your business. But most of the SBA money is there for you to help with the relief for what this situation has caused you. So this is Mark Parham, Cat Builder Talk Radio Show. I'm going to go to break, and when I come back, we're going to have this conversation on positioning your business. count on you. Money for the kids and the grandkids too will make their world seem brand new. So plan a little while so you can say goodbye with a smile. For insurance, wealth building, and legacy planning, please visit saygoodbyewithasmile.com. When I was little, I didn't talk for a long time. I was sensitive to lights and sounds, so I built secret hiding places where they couldn't get in. Sometimes, I did the same things over and over, until one day, I found out I had autism. My family got me help. Slowly, I learned how to live with it better. Early intervention can make a lifetime of difference. Learn the signs at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Set the stage for it. 
you know, I pulled a definition of positioning, you know, how you differentiate your product and service from that of your competitors and then determine which market niche to fill. Now, that's one definition. That's how you look to people. But an important part of your business plan should be to improve the financial position of your business. Now, as I say, when I, you know, do a lot of teaching, what's your funding story? Do you understand the balance sheets, income statements, and cash flow? So we're just ready to bring in Sister Lita and Brother Calvin. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Mark. Hey. So I just wanted to say, Mark. Go ahead. Mark, I just want to say publicly how much I appreciate you and what you've always been doing and um, number one, for for being a man who always provides that timely, forward-looking information uh, to our community of small business owners. Um, and I want to thank you for being my friend over the years. Um, <laughs> what you have done and what you built, I mean, is more timely now than ever. And more and more people need to take advantage of the information uh, and the skill uh, and expertise that you bring to the table. Uh, take, man, thanks a lot. You know, I appreciate that because it's it's one of those things where, you, you know, we were talking about, you know, walking in purpose. Who would have thought I started this show six years ago? We'd be going through what we're going through today. I'm getting so many comments from people. I had somebody call me today and ask me how to, how can they help me publicize the show, you know, and uh, so – Hey, walking in purpose, man. But we can't do it unless we are working together. So that's why, you know, today when we were talking about doing the show, I said, who can we get on here? And you said, I got the girl for you. <laughs> so, Miss Lena, how are you doing this evening? I am well. And, and Mark, I want to thank you, and I want to keep it real as well, um, and just thank you for James Brown. Yeah, if James Brown can't make you feel good, nobody can. You know, you know what's Amen. interesting. What's interesting about James Brown? We won't go over there the story about it. But in our times of crisis, back when he was at the top of his game, even the government had to go to James Brown to try to calm down the masses. You know, they they had to deal with him because, you know, I watched a biography on him one time. He said, this is show and business. I'm going to do the show part, then I'm going to handle my business. <laughs> Not show business. So, but I, I just like what he represented, so I, I got to keep his music going. So, Lita, uh, you know, Calvin's been on the show before, but you haven't. So I'd like you to go ahead and introduce yourself, tell people who you are, what you do, who your mom and them is, everybody else. But uh, just, <laughs> <laughs> just introduce yourself for a minute. Yeah, of course. Um, and going back to the thank you, on a more serious note, thank you so much for doing what you're doing for the community, and you clearly do it well. So thank you for being a resource, and thank you for inviting me. Um, so me, so um, I am, as you mentioned before, Director of Financial Planning for the Piedmont Group. Um, I am also, um, I also actually co-lead a boutique financial advisory practice within the Piedmont Group umbrella. And so in addition to kind of driving um, our team-based financial planning growth for the entire firm, I also focus on my own book of clients um, and servicing them. Um, in addition to kind of what I do with the Piedmont Group, um, I also spend a lot of time in the nonprofit space, um, in addition to, of course, you know, wealth management, which is the core focus of my practice. I also spent eight years in the um, nonprofit space helping um, individuals and families deal with financial crises. So from bankruptcy to foreclosure prevention and bankruptcy, um, or I'm sorry, budget and credit counseling. So designing and managing those programs. Um, but, but right now my focus again is really driving um, financial planning for our firm, working with my own clients um, under that firm umbrella individuals and businesses and just making sure that they're able to not only maintain long-term financial stability for themselves or business enterprises and their families, um, but build wealth, you know, in that process. So that's kind of me. 
All right. But Calvin, why don't you go ahead for I'm sure some people don't know who you are, probably maybe one, but you can go ahead and uh introduce yourself. <laughs> okay, uh, Mark. Uh thank you once again. I'm Calvin Dismail. I've been in the um securities business uh, for a very long time. Uh, back in nineteen eighty I started out in Maryland as what they call the registered representative. And I've done a number of different things over the course of time. I've done institutional uh, sales. I've done research, uh, so research, uh, investment fund, pension fund consulting, uh, wholesale mutual funds, and all that kind of stuff. What I'm doing now, I've founded an organization called Emerging Economic Equity Empire. And that is focused on providing investment education and demonstrating pathways for various demographic sectors in our community to create wealth, uh, to build wealth, to transfer wealth intergenerationally, uh, and basically to take our proper place in the global economic environment. Wow, man. I I tell you, one of the things you said was, and as entrepreneurs get out here, we're talking about making money. I need to make some money. But both of you are talking about positioning yourself for wealth. So uh, the first question I want to ask both of you, I'll start with you, uh, Calvin. A lot of times, you know, as a small business owner, we say, I got my business going. When do I need to start thinking about setting myself up to generate wealth? You know, I, I, I got my business out here last year. When should I start thinking about that? That's a great question, Mark, and I'm glad glad you asked that question. I'm sure Lita has thoughts on that as well. My view is um, it, it goes back to um, uh, kind of seven habits of highly effective people um, that were articulated in Stephen Covey's book. Um, the you know seven habits of highly effective people, and the one that resonates with me around that question is begin with the end in mind. In other words, there fails to be um, there fails to be a earlier an early enough time. You it, the, begin with the end in mind. When you, as soon as you can, after you've decided to go into business, as soon as you can, begin to think about building wealth for yourself and your family. Uh, you know, the entrepreneurial journey is one that many people have decided that they want to travel on. However, I suggest the best thing to do is to determine where you want to end up as soon as you can along that journey, maybe even before you start the journey, if you possibly can, so that you know when you've arrived, you know when you're off track, you know when you need to make adjustments, you have a picture in your mind of what that looks like in the end. At the end of the journey of entrepreneurship, what does the picture look like for you and your family and your loved ones? What does it look like for future generations who you may never meet? What does it look like and what does it mean and what is it all about for you and your family as an entrepreneur? So I would say there fails to be too early a time to begin to think about creating wealth as an entrepreneur. All right, Ms. Lita, what about your views? Yeah, I I agree 100%, Calvin. I think when you think about, um, when you ask the question, you know, when do I start thinking about building wealth, I think most entrepreneurs, or I shouldn't say most, but I would certainly say a lot of entrepreneurs go into business ownership because they want, they know that they want to build wealth. Like that is one of the uh, motivating factors so I think the question, you know, Calvin pointed out that, okay, we, we know that there is this desire to build wealth. And so what needs to be another question is where do you want to end, as Calvin pointed out. But also, more specifically, how do you build that wealth? Because a lot of entrepreneurs go into business wanting to build wealth, but also with the idea that all of that will be done kind of within their business. Right. I hear a lot of business owners say, oh, you know, when you when you sit down with them to talk about, as Calvin said, what is the end game? What does that look like? Well, a lot of them will tell you that, you know, my business is my retirement plan. 
Well, we can look around us today and see that in many cases that just isn't necessarily a viable plan, right? It, it can be very risky. So it's not so much, you know, when do I start to think about building wealth? Because I think most entrepreneurs kind of go into it with that mindset, but more so what does the end game look like you and how do you build that wealth? You know, how do you start to build assets outside of your business? And I think equally important, how clear are you in your understanding that in order to build wealth, you also have to have a program in place for protecting it as you build it. So let me just ask you a question and just go a little deeper. You said people do this because they think they want to retire from the business. So from your experience, and it sounds like I know what the answer is going to be, how many people actually start a business and retire from it? Or do they use the business to generate revenue so they can use some of the vehicles that you're talking about to generate wealth? Yeah, so so great, 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 great question. I, I, I see both, right? I see, you know, I have an, I'm working with an attorney now who we've recently valued um, his business, and he is going to retire from that business and sell it to some associate attorneys within the firm, right? And so that, you know, that's working out for him. But we also, you know, deal with a lot of clients who don't get to retire from their business and, or I am working specifically with clients who really don't see a way to retire from their business right now because, again, while they went into it thinking that they would and thinking that they owned the business when they really owned was a job, because it was very much a, a more of a lifestyle business, and they had not necessarily um, built or had not built any assets outside of their business. And so whereas, you know, kind of going into it, they were hoping that, yes, they would have gotten to a point by now that they would be able to retire from their business, but unfortunately it's just – it's not the case. They're going to have to keep working and building more assets so that they are able to – to retire at some point. All right. So, Calvin, uh, you use this term, and I think you should get it put on a T-shirt or something, economic, e- economic equity, okay? Yes. <laughs> Define that. Economic equity. Um, <clears throat> equity, um, equity can, you know, equity translates into ownership in my Equity ownership, okay, and equity being uh, depending on what your your um, statistical uh, paradigm may be or view. Uh, equity may be that um, that your um, that your economic ownership within this system that we operate in, in the United States of America, if you look at it that way, uh, is uh, proportionate to uh, your uh, demographic representation. That's one way to look at it. One way to look at it is what is your, your contribution to the overall economic engine that operates here in America. Uh, are you getting your equitable share of, of economic benefit based on your contribution to the engine? Okay. And uh, there are various ways in which to, to look at that. However, in our case, for our community in particular, um, and what I mean by that is let's call us the students of American slaves. All right. I use that term purposely. Okay, where we have uh, been inequitably treated for a very long period of time and made an inordinate contribution to the economic engine and have not reaped uh, the uh, economic rewards uh, that are uh, equitable, okay, for what we've contributed for a long period of time. And here we are now operating in a different position. Uh, contributions are still not equitably accounted for. So what I'm saying is we need to understand and learn how capital works and how ownership is acquired in this uh, system that we live in 
uh, understand how the capitalistic system relates to the political system. Uh, that is, you know, uh, we live in a political republic where other people make decisions on our behalf, and the public sector, which is controlled by the political apparatus, determines who, what, when, where, and how the private sector will get paid. So as we look at that and understand how capital flows, how capital works, and how we can uh, build wealth through the um, utilization of capital and accumulation of capital, okay, based on several things, us not just as consumers but as investors and owners of intellectual property uh, leverage uh, those assets so that we can collectively uh, accumulate wealth in our community and take our rightful place on the global stage. Now, I'm glad you said the word global. The next question is for both of you. Global, you know, technology has just changed the impact of small business. So I want both of you to kind of answer this question. From your standpoint, have you seen the global market affect our economy? you know, our economic equity. Do we worry about trying to get our money? You kept saying the United States, but now we can deal with the whole world. So, Lead, I'm going to let you lead off with this. Just kind of what do you see as the global impact of what's going on right now in wealth building? So I would say in terms of small businesses kind of being impacted, like you, you spoke about kind of, you know, this world opening up and being global, I think when we look at some of the barriers to success for um, African-American-owned businesses, minority-owned businesses, but certainly African-American-owned businesses, one of the biggest challenges that we see, um, you know, against these businesses kind of being successful is the limited access to markets outside of our own. Okay. And so for me, I find it very um, interesting that in this age of technology and in this this age of global access and worldwide access, our markets still remain so limited. Right? And so I think that's what, what I'm seeing in terms of being a business owner um, who's providing goods and services and being able to access markets outside of our own. I think um, for me, and I work with a lot of you know um, African Americans. You know, they're primarily make up my client base. Um, I will say this: oftentimes they can be afraid of global investing, right? It's there's this apprehension about you know investing internationally when you're sitting down and you're designing a portfolio or you're speaking to them about asset allocation. There's this interesting resistance to global allocation. So it takes. Um, or international um, investing, and so it takes a lot of education, um, a lot of just raising awareness around, you know, diversification and the importance of accessing these these markets um, and the impact that it has on their portfolio and their assets over time. Vishmael. Yes. Um, wow. Excellent point, uh, Lita. I think to uh, answer that, I think. I think that you know technology does provide uh, the opportunity for the individual and small business uh, small businesses to uh, become an economic entity, their own economic entity in the global marketplace, and compete based on the uh, the value of their uh, innovation and their ideas. And what they bring to the table—it's a tremendous tool that we're lagging in terms of uh, how we're utilizing that tool uh, to compete globally. I think that uh, I agree. That education is a big part of the big part of the. To answer your question, Mark, on what's going on globally now and how that impacts business, it's like these challenges. Anytime there are great challenges that arise, there are also great opportunities that uh, also make themselves. Uh, uh, available, uh, available, and in terms of the opportunity, number one, uh, as we list the market, position yourself to take advantage of uh, a declining price environment. And if you are exposed to the stock market, that basically means looking to. Uh, there are two ways to make money in the market. 
buy low, sell high, and then sell high and buy low. That's a little sophisticated for most, so you might need professional help with that. So that's one strategy. The other strategy is utilizing um, you know, what we call some derivatives, and, and that would be the options, just that you know you can buy uh, broad market index options, uh, mm-hmm. and, and this is like, for example, uh, there were there were there were a handful of people and, and several institutions that made trillions of dollars when the stock market took some big hits over the last several weeks. Okay, declining prices are opportunities. Okay, you just have to be positioned to take advantage of it. You need professional help with that. Most individual investors will need professional help with that. So that's one, positioning yourself to take advantage of declining price environment. Number two, look for those companies that you know and that you like and begin to accumulate and buy them at a discount on weekly. When the price gets down to a point, like if you were looking at IBM, but you said you know, you weren't able to be in a position to buy IBM because it was too high. Once it gets down to a certain price, if you think there's a, there's a discount for it, if you can afford it, begin to buy. Okay, that goes true for other company situations. Number three, look for companies that will do well in this current environment. Now, that might be uh, medical supply companies, it might be other manufacturers, it might be medical research, it might be logistics companies, it might be delivery of food, it could be a whole host of things, but look at companies that you can understand what their business model is and that you like and you do well in this environment. Okay, number four, look for opportunities if you provide professional services uh, to help companies now position themselves to uh, exhibit their or execute on their competitive advantage once we do begin to go into this uh, into this new environment that we're going to be in. I don't want to call it a new normal. I don't think anything yeah, that we thought of as normal is not going to yeah, come back. They, 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 yeah. And the last thing is look for special situations. And I'll give you an example of special situations. Today the price of oil went down to $20, $20 a barrel. That's a special situation we haven't seen in 40 years. Things like that in the commodities markets uh, that come up in these special situations, whether it, it be oil, whether it be, um, you know, it, it, whether it be other commodities, whether it be medical supplies, whether it be personal protection items, those are special situations. But you have to realize, use those special situations are windows, those are windows of opportunity that only occur briefly because eventually the market's going to fill that gap. Okay? So those are five things to look for right now as a business person, as an investor, to begin to reposition yourself to take advantage of what's going on right now. Okay. Well, great answer. Somebody told me the other day Delta stock was down to $30 a share or something like that. So, But, uh, Lita, now – most of the people I coach, I would say 95% of the people that I coach are women. And a lot of women have gotten into business. Uh, I, I've coined the expression, somebody else told it to me, so this is not my half-topreneur. Meaning, hey, single, you know, trying to make it do what it do. I got to start my own business so I can take care of my family, take care of my children. So when you encounter women in business, how do you talk to them about making this shift from doing what I got to do to, you know, provide for my family to wealth building. Wow. That is a great, great, great question. That is a great question. So I think for me, a lot of the shifts that occur in the relationships that I have with women really come through showing them the picture, right? So a lot of it is just sitting down with them, doing things like looking at cash flow, looking at net worth, you know, what are your assets versus your, what, what does your picture look like? What is it that you want it to look like? And then let's just kind of fill in this space between what is and what's possible with here are some steps. And I think when you approach the discussion like that, 
they kind of start to see the possibility of them actually owning and building a viable business concern as opposed to just owning kind of a pay or a job. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it is really just sitting with them and saying, okay, get out of the, you know, get out of the day to day for just a second, get out of survival for just a second. Let's just sit back and let's, let's just start with why you went into this business, what it is you want it to look like. You know, I think, and me being a mother, um, I can absolutely say that, you know, a lot of what I wanted to accomplish was certainly because I had a child that I was, you know, setting an example for that I was building for. And a lot of that is true for the women that I work with. And so in just giving them the opportunity to kind of sit down and get out of the kind of day-to-day and this is what I need to pay my bills and say, wait, let's really look at and think about what this can be. And let's talk about how to get it to that point. And I think oftentimes, Mark, what happens when that is kind of the business that a woman is working in she may or may not at that point see it as an asset that is transferable to the next generation or the possibility to build an asset that is transferable to the next generation. So it's really about just a lot of conversations of discovery and painting for them the picture that is versus the picture that they'd like to create. And again, Mm -hmm. just kind of filling in that void with some steps as to how to bring this thing to life as you desire it as opposed to just kind of how you're living it today. Do you find that when you start showing this picture that uh, uh, most people are, uh, they like it, they're, they're receiving it properly or they still like, Hey, look, I can't worry about that right now. You know, Mark, what happens the large majority of the time is that what it is that they truly desire to accomplish isn't as far out of reach as they thought it was before they decided to look. Gotcha. So the next question I have for both of you, this global market, Calvin, you're talking about economic equity. We can't do it by ourselves. So I want you both to kind of stress the importance of partnerships and partnering. Calvin, you know, we talk about a lot of times that we've seen so many opportunities. We've been involved in them where people have gotten together and worked it out. But I find sometimes we can we can't get together, you know. We you know who go get the check, you know. Uh, so let's talk about <laughs> partnerships and the importance that in order to attack or get this economic equity that you're talking about, it's not going to be done without partnerships. Calvin. Okay. Uh, in God we trust. All right. Let me say, in God we trust is on the dollar bill, right? And um, so a foundation. Especially since in the 70s, the wise men came into Congress, Andy Young told the story, and they basically, under the Nixon administration, took us off the gold standard. Okay, so our currency value is based on the full safety credit. In God we trust. So the basis of the relationship, the global financial relationships amongst central bankers is based on trust. We have to learn to trust each other. We have to build trust within our community. It's the basic fundamentals of economic activity is trust. Okay, so that's one we must work with. Um, Conceptually, um, in terms of structurally, the seventh uh, fundamental principle of uh, investments in today, we call it fundamental hermeneutic, and that is the uh, cooperative mutuality. And that's basically saying that if I have 100, you have 100, Lita has 100, and we have seven more people with $100, as me, the individual, $100, I might be able to buy two, three shares of stock. Mm-hmm. However, we kind of get together, we put our $100 together and we have $1,000, uh, we could buy a portfolio. Mm-hmm. And we sufficiently diversify it, theoretically, that we could be capturing much more opportunity. And we could grow that portfolio 
a lot more efficiently and a lot faster than if each one of us took our $100 and tried to do whatever we're going to do separately. So that's true for a number of things. Plus, you have, you know, a leverage because you're operating at high economic quantity, or in other words, you can negotiate uh, price pricing better as a collective. You know, this cooperative business model is is the quickest way to come up. The quickest way to come up or the most effective way to come up and stay up is together, okay, Co- having a cooperative relationship. And that's basically acknowledging that everybody has the same pro rata share and acknowledging that we have to work amongst ourselves and organize amongst ourselves and agree on how we're going to move forward and what kind of economic choices we're going to make or what kind of rules we're going to operate under. Wow. You know, it's so important, man. A lot of other cultures, they do, you know, in God we trust, but we we got some difficult times. Lita, what's your view on that? You know, I think I'll start with kind of going back to the economic equity conversation and just adding to, gosh, what Calvin so eloquently stated um, about it. You, you didn't have to use that point. word. You didn't have to use eloquently. Okay, but you get that Calvin state. Okay, that's, that's good enough. <laughs> Mr. Calvin, eloquent this mail. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> but. But, you know, for me, you know, that really means that, you know, because I, I, I consider myself a capitalist. I think we have a very powerful system. The problem with our capitalist system is that not enough of us get to participate. And economic equity to me means that we get more of us participating. And what I see far too often particularly amongst women and women entrepreneurs, is that too many of us go it alone. And I am just so proud to say, and I think you know this, Mark, that I am a part of, um, you know, several kind of women uh, entrepreneurial communities. Um, But there's one in particular that I am very proud of, and this community really promotes women business owners partnering and collaborating together and we just have to figure out a way to partner and to support each other in what we're doing there's just so many opportunities to find other small businesses you know just like yourself with complementary um, goods or services or expertise skills that you can start having a conversation with and start figuring out how the two of you can work together you can give a shout out to the organization. We are. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Opportunity yeah. Project. yeah, you give a shout out. I want people to know where they can go to get help. Yeah, you give it. Matter of fact, yeah. I'm probably the only male member of We Out, but I think they, they gave that to me. Uh, I didn't have to fill nothing out, but, uh, <laughs> but they called me when they need help. But go ahead and you know, tell them about We Out for a second. Just. You know, just, we're here to provide information. Yeah, so WEOP is um, it's a it's an organization based here in Atlanta, Women's Entrepreneurial Opportunity Project, that um, not only enables women owned or women business owners to come into this community to one build community, and there is a wide range of women business owners within this community from startup to very successful you know, already generating multiple millions of dollars a year in revenues. So it's a great community. They provide a lot of training. They work really hard at helping women to open up their markets. Um, I mean, it's just a great community. But what is core to the community is partnership and collaboration, and we really need to come together and just figure out how to do that better. Um, Again, and it goes back to my earlier point, which is we really struggle with accessing other markets. Um, And I think while we work on that front, we also need to get better at patronizing businesses within our own communities. And so we just need to figure out how to to work better together. And then I will add to that, we need to get better at building a professional team around us. 
Um, I think we go at too much alone, and unfortunately, far too often, we're going at the wrong things alone. And so just think about building, you know, building your professional team, getting help. Um, you know, I think in a lot of these, these relationships, I know that, you know, within what I do, I have a lot of colleagues. Um, I have a lot of um, there are other professionals, you know, CPAs, attorneys who work very similarly, you know, in the way that I do, which is we understand that a lot of us are first generation this or first generation that. And so we're playing, all of us are doing so much catch up. And so education and awareness tends to be core um, to our services, you know, just a, as a part of providing our services. And so partner, get out, build relationships, learn how to work with other small businesses, learn how to work with a professional team that supports the growth and development of um, not only you, but your business. Yeah. You know, it's interesting uh, when I'm, dealing with new clients and they ask me how much it costs, you know, right there, there's a buzz that goes off in my head. It's more people, when they come to work with me, it's not a cost, it's an investment. Okay. Right. When you exactly. work with professionals, if you look at it as a cost, of doing, you know, it's, you have the wrong mental attitude. So mm-hmm. um, I know we got a few more minutes here. So, I'm going to ask Calvin a question. He'll probably take up the rest of the show, but I'm going to ask him anyway. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but Calvin, what are the things, you know, we've talked about a number of different things today, but what are the positive steps that we need to be taking? Like you're talking about research or what are the things we need to do? Uh, and if it's on us to produce more shows where we can educate more people, I'm willing to do that. But, People have okay. to take ownership of their situation on their own. We can't keep spoon-feeding people. What can they do to find out more about what you're talking about? Well, uh, this is a great question, Mark, as always. Uh, I think what we, we do need to do more shows, number one, and give them some information because if they're, most business owners do need to be have their reading list, okay, uh, and allocate time to for education, personal development, and those kind of things, and and their research, you know. And if they're involved in the business, we know that their time is going to be limited, and to the extent we can provide them some summarized information and in, in digestible pieces, I think that would be helpful to them based on their time to get them up to curb. The American way, uh, essentially, it's, you know, going into business, growing a business, either passing along or selling the business and doing it again. Okay, so you capture your value at something. Uh, you know, many people go into business and think that the business they 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 become uh, they and the business become one. The business has a life of its own. The business has to at some point provide value back. If you're building it and you're creating value and you're building an asset, at some point you need to capture the value of the asset mm-hmm. in some shape mm-hmm. or fashion. Challenging times like these lead to opportunities to do business companies, to partner, to uh, acquire, reacquire, merge, merge in, to synergize, you know, to expand, you know, or to take an equity investment where you may have to earn back control of your company. But all these things take place if you want to survive. These are options you must understand what those options are. Okay, and so you can survive as opposed to going out of business. If you're ready to get out of the business, then package your business, value your business, and find someone who is able to pay you for it and take it to the next stage so that you get some value out of it. Okay, so what I'm saying is yes, there are things that the entrepreneur should be learning and doing and being exposed to. Okay, I think these could be part and folding them to it and leading them to the other resources that, that are out there. Uh, and you and I are involved involved in an endeavor to help people understand what to do now to take advantage of the money that is available to them as a result of this crisis. Right. I think that's the I'm going to do some shows on that. Lee, the same question. What do people need to be doing right now um, to move themselves forward and you know I, I, how, how can you help them I need to get some information from you so they can reach out to you but 
What do people need to be doing right now? I think what people need to be doing right now is seriously thinking about putting together a comprehensive financial plan. To be thinking about what if the emergency or the economic shock was not one felt around the world, but one felt only in your business. No one would be knocking down your door to loan you money to, to solve this for you. And so it is just so important to have a plan and have a plan that builds into it, not only building wealth, but protecting you as you're going down that road to building wealth. So doing, helping, you, you know, helping you to make sure that you're doing things like having sufficient liquidity by way of building cash reserves, having healthy lines of credit, you know, protecting yourself from a business overhead expense. Um, perspective in the event of emergency in emergency you know there are just so many things that businesses or business owners can be doing just to prepare themselves again not only for building um, enough assets to kind of see their ways out of their business at some point and to kind of enjoy life beyond what they work so hard to build but building enough protection into their lives and into their businesses so that as they're building, they can absorb and, and withstand these shocks. Because wow. this is this isn't this is someone knocking on your door, willing to give you money to help get you through crisis is just not the norm. And we really have to figure it out for ourselves, and we have to be prepared. To, like this is one of the things that you kind of need to be prepared to go at alone. <laughs> like you need to kind of be prayer, be prepared to weather crisis on your own. Right. And that's right. just planning. So, Lita, how do people catch up with you, you know? So if they want to get the, the benefit of your wisdom, how do they catch up with you? So they can email me at um, L, L like Lita, Speller, S like Sam, T like Paul, E-L-L-E-R, at financialguide.com. That's like the best way to get me. All right. And then you can find me, you know, LinkedIn, L-E-I-B-A-S-P-E-L-L-E-R. Yeah. I seen you out there on LinkedIn today. Yeah. Brother Vishmail, same question, man. Yeah. If people want to get some help from you, how do they contact you? If they want to contact me, they can just uh, email me at C Vishmail, that's B like victory, that's be like Charlie, be like Victor, I S M A L E, the number seven at gmail.com. It comes straight to my mobile device. Um, they can contact me there. And uh, I would also leave them with this notion that, you know, we have what we need to get what we want for ourselves, our loved ones, and more if we work together. Man, it was a great ending, man. You know, and I promise this. You know, I'm trying to get people like yourselves to do, just record some, you know, some things so I can just put it out there for you. I got this network now. So we're going to talk about trying to help you do a podcast. Lena, you can do a podcast. But I want you guys to start providing the kind of information you provided on the show today. It's invaluable. You know what I love most is after I finish the show, listening to it again like I'm just an observer. So I want to thank both of you for coming out tonight, uh, you know, and giving us all the information that you gave. Well, Mark, thank you again. Uh, I'm just appreciative and grateful that we had this opportunity. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, Mark. I appreciate it. Thank you again for what you're doing in the community. All right. So I'll be in touch with both of you. So you guys have a good evening. All right. Stay well. Uh, okay. Thanks, Mark. All right. Now, you heard it. You got a plan for yourself. You're in it by yourself, but you're not by yourself. Partnership. Read. Educate. I promise you I'm going to start bringing you more stuff. And my mom said never to use the word stuff. More information so that you can make the right decisions. So this is Mark Parham, Cat Builder Talk Radio Show, another great show. And as I say every week, 
I look forward to our next encounter. Have a great evening. Show.